Hello. Well, you know, it is time for another episode of Conversations from the C-Suite. I am Dr. Stephanie D. Barnes, and you know the drill. We are about to begin our broadcast soon. But, you know, this is a conversation, and we don't want to be in a conversation with ourselves. So we want to invoke the power of three. Please make sure that you share this out with at least three people, share it out in three groups, because we're going to have a great conversation and we want to have somebody on here with us. So I'm going to take a few minutes to share it out myself, and then we are going to get started with this episode of Conversations from the C-Suite. I'll tell you, we've got a great guest in store as we continue our conversations around creating our circle of influence, our relationships. So I'm going to do as I've asked you and share this out and make sure that we've got some people on here because this is a great conversation and we want others to join us as well. So hang tight and invite. Hello and welcome to another episode of Conversations from the C-Suite, the girlfriend's guide to being a CEO. I am Dr. Stephanie D. Barnes, and it is my pleasure to have you here in the C-Suite with me. Because you know, here in the C-Suite, we help women and a few good men to be the CEOs of their lives. We want you to have a seat at the table because we know when women have a seat at the table, great things happen because not only do they have a seat, but they get a chance to create a seat for someone else. So, you know, the C-suite in any company, that's where the decisions are made. Well, guess what? You have a C-suite in your life as well. It's where you make the decisions to create the life you desire and deserve because here we're focused on being ceos not just holding the title but actually walking the walk talking the talk because a chief executive officer just like its middle name says executes we make things happen so you may be a ceo on many different levels you may be a ceo on the rise you're just getting started with making your ceo moves you may be a CEO actually on the move. You know, you're new to this CEO thing, but you're ready to take it to the next level. And then you may be the CEO because here's the thing. I don't care how many years you've been a CEO and how great you're doing at it. Remember, you can always be better because if you're number one, remember number two is very close behind and they want to be number one. So conversations in the C-suite is where we have real conversations about real things that matter to real women, because we know life doesn't end when we leave the office. As a matter of fact, that's just where things get started. So here in the C-suite, we want to equip you to make the decisions to create the life you desire and deserve. We want you to feel something, learn something, but most of all, baby, you got to do something. That's right. You've got to make your CEO moves. A CEO move is creating your circle of influence, 
elevating your empowering and educating yourself so that you can elevate your life and operationalizing what you learn so you can optimize your outcome. Because I, if all you do is feel and learn, girl, you're not going to be able to do anything. You've got to actually do something with it. So remember, whether you report to a CEO or you are the CEO of your own business, you are always the CEO of you. So let's get ready to talk about real strategies, because here we're not talking about fluff and stuff. We're talking about real strategies, real women, real issues, and how we can really do something to change, create, and elevate our lives. So, you know, we are continuing our series on relationships. We have, over the past few episodes, been focusing on that critical aspect of CEO Move, creating your circles of influence. And the truth is, our relationships impact who we are. We've talked about business relationships. We've talked about the intersection of personal and professional relationships. We've talked about love. Well, guess what? Tonight, we're going to talk about, well, what happens when love doesn't quite go right? Can you get it back on track? Is our love like Humpty Dumpty? Is once it falls apart, is it can, can it ever be put back together again? Well, the answer is yes, it sure can. And we've got an awesome, awesome expert tonight who is going to talk to us and help us focus on how to get not only how to have a great relationship, but what happens when love doesn't quite go as planned and love doesn't look exactly the way you want it to. How do you get it back to where it needs to be? So I'm excited, y'all. In the lobby, we have none other than Tanya Barnett. And she is a powerhouse CEO. She's a TEDx speaker, certified life coach, healthy relationship advocate in business and home, talk show host, and the real wife coach. She is the award-winning author of Being a Wife Just Got Real, Things I Wish I Knew Before I Said I Do. She is the movement behind the real wife movement. And there she equips single and married women with tools for creating strong relationships, marriages, and families. She's been featured in the Essence Magazine, on the Oprah Winfrey Network, and the Tom, the Tom Joyner Morning Show, the Today Show, NAACP, Congressional Black Caucus, and a plethora of other media outlets. In 2018, Tanya and her husband, Don, were featured in Essence.com sharing tips on how to have healthy relationships. They were also featured on season two of the Oprah Winfrey Network's new hit show, Black Love Doc. Y'all, I cannot wait to bring this powerhouse to the lobby, so I will wait no more and bring to the C-suite none other than Tanya Barnett. Hey, girl. Hey, everybody. I'm so, 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 so excited to be here and honored. So thank you, Dr. Stephanie, for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. You know, I've had the opportunity to get to know you a little bit over the past year, and I actually had a chance to participate in some of the promotional activities you had in, in leading up to Black Love, your, your appearance on Black Love. Got a chance to see you on there. <laughs> so glad to have you here in the C-suite. I'm very honored. So thank you. Thank you for asking me. I really am honored. Well, awesome. Awesome. Well, we always begin with the who, the what, and the why. So of course, okay. I've shared a little bit about who you are, but we want to know who is the real Tanya Barnett. <laughs> you can share you know, with us who you are, what you do, and why you make CEO moves. Wow, well, I'm Tanya Barnett, like you said, Dr. Stephanie, you read my bio, <laughs> but really I am just a woman who loves hard, um, who loves her family, loves God, loves my community, and I put action behind all of that. So I'm, I'm very clear on making sure I have a healthy relationship with my husband, with my children, as well as giving back to my community via my nonprofit, Forever Free Books, um, also partnering with the local school system here in my county where my nonprofit actually goes in and we do story time and the children um, at those Title I schools, which are low-income schools, they mm -hmm. all leave with free books. 
Um, and then I take black men into barbershops where we're actually able to have conversations with boys as well as the they get to see black men reading books, something that is a rarity, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, and these boys also get free haircuts and they get to shop for free books. So I'm about loving the people and empowering the people. And that's pretty much what I do. All right. Well, awesome. 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 Well, you know, I've been so excited about having you on the show as I share, you know, we have been talking about just all different aspects of relationships. Mm -hmm. We've hit on, you know, we've, we've had, you know, this show focuses on women. You know, I'm, I'm unapologetically an advocate of women. <laughs> I invite men to the conversation. And in fact, two episodes ago, we, we had our first male guest on oh, the show, uh, Mr. Milton Lawrence, who came on to share the male's perspective of relationships. Okay. So that was very great. We had, we had, a, we had an awesome conversation. I uh, can't wait to have him back on again, but I've been very excited about uh, your episode because, you know, we've been looking at all these different aspects and last episode, we focused on self-love and the importance of healthy self-love as the basis for great professional and personal relationships. Mm -hmm. And so today I want to focus a little bit on, all right, Love just ain't going right. You know, what can I do uh, to, to get back on track? Because we know that, you know, when when we're suffering in our personal relationships, it shows up at work. It shows up in our interactions with everybody because our relationships are a healthy part of us, right. or important part of us. So why don't you just kind of start off by, by giving us a little bit of your story as to how did you become the real wife? coach. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not pretty at all. So people think it's pretty. It's not. Um, I wound up having an emotional affair about year 13 into, into our marriage. Um, and by that time, we had three children. Um, and the emotional affair happened because, number one, what you just said, I'm 70. I was not taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. um, and then in me not taking care of myself, I wasn't taking care of my marriage. Mm -hmm. um, I was busy. I was doing so many things. I mean, because I'm very community oriented. And so what happened was I was overtaxed in everything that mm -hmm. I was doing. So I was on NAACP coaching Girl Scouts, mm -hmm. yeah. um, county commissioner. I was on, I was a treasurer. I mean, you name it, church. I was out of the house about six days a week. Um, mm -hmm. And so my marriage uh, suffered because of that. And so in the meantime, my husband was feeling that value because of me doing everything for everybody except for him. Yeah. Um, and so someone just happened to come, come into my life and um, kind of validate all the stuff that I was doing. And I wasn't getting that from my husband. He was sulking because of all the stuff I was doing. Yeah. But this person was like, oh, my gosh, that's great. You're doing all these great things. And this continued on for a year um, yeah. to the point where I was looking forward to, you know, running upstairs to my bedroom, going in my closet and getting on the phone with this person or, you know, what have you, because I needed that fix. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I was addicted to the praise. I was addicted yeah. to the attention. Um, <clears throat> and my husband found out via social media um, that this was going on. Uh -huh. um, and so from there, once we, it all blew up and everything, we had to ask ourselves, did we want to stay married? Mm -hmm. If we do, what did that look like? And number three, were we willing to put in the work for what we yeah. want? And so after we did the work, lots of therapy, lots of crying, lots of, you know, conversations, sleeping in the other room, sofa, you know, all that crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I realized that as women, we're told that we can be the superwoman. Mm -hmm. What happens is when we try to be that superwoman, somebody's going to lose. Yeah. And usually it's either our children, mm -hmm. our spouses, or ourselves. Yeah. Um, and so I started the Real Wife Movement to teach single women, hey, if you have all this stuff going on and you're complaining about you can't find a man, it's probably because you're too busy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you may want to dial back on some of that. Yeah. But then also in marriages, if there's like a disconnect, maybe look at some of the things that you're doing. And I'm not blaming everything on the woman. Please, please, please. I don't want people to take that. But a lot of times as black women, especially, we're told we can do everything, be, be everything to everybody. Mm -hmm. And our husbands and our children suffer. Yeah. And so I started the Real Life Movement to help us kind of take a step back, assess what we're doing in our marriages, in our homes, even if someone is single and they're a single mom or what have you, and see where can I cut some things off that are good things, but they may not be a good thing for me at this moment in my life. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because one of the things that, you know, I've always thought about, you know, as as the C-Suite Women's Network and, and all the things that I'm doing, you know, have evolved over the years is, you know, being a CEO is all about being a strategist, you know, mm -hmm. and whether we are on the job or in our marriages or in our relationships, nothing that we do happens by chance and it doesn't happen unless we really commit to a strategy and that kind of sound that can that can sound like really cold mm -hmm. like you know you're you're treating your marriage like a business but you know a lot of times we put more effort into our business relationships than we do into our personal relationships and you require the same amount of work you got to woo the client Right. <laughs> you know, you got to do client development. You've got to do client satisfaction survey. Right. You know, you've really got to do all of these things. And one of the, the things, you know, as I was listening to you and I've, I've heard you share your story before, it kind of starts with the breakdown in communication. Mm -hmm. You know, you may not communicate what you need. He doesn't communicate what he right. needs. And then, you know, it can lead to a whole lot of different places. Right. Absolutely. And it's so funny because um, here recently, my husband was laid off mm -hmm. and, and so or, or and, and lost his job. And so trying to be a supportive wife and uh -huh. being that go getter, we were like missing each other in communication. Yeah. And so I told my husband, I said, look, I'm not comfortable right now. So we need to go see a therapist. Yeah. And thankfully, my husband was open to that where we were able to go see her. Mm -hmm. he could tell his part of the story. I could tell my part of the story and she helped us fill in the gaps mm -hmm. so that we now have this bridge where we're now able to communicate with one another. And yeah. I think a lot of times couples don't do that. Um, yeah. We blame each other for the disconnect as opposed to saying, yo, something's not right. Mm -hmm. How can we work on this so that we're communicating and getting back to each other. And I'm telling you, I'm a strong, strong advocate of therapy. Sometimes yeah. my husband will say that. He'd be like, babe, you know, you seem to have an attitude all the time. We're not connecting. You know, let's go see the therapist, you know. And yeah. I, I mean, we use her kind of like a mediator or something. Right. I don't know. But for us, it works at this point on us. I wish we had that 13, um, at year 13, we're at year 19 now. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we had to go through that journey so that now, we yeah. can help other couples. And yeah, you know, you hit on a really important point because, you know, I, I've been thinking about this, especially the therapy component and how, oh my gosh, that is so important. And, you know, we don't really learn to incorporate therapy and, and having that neutral third party in our business. Because, you know, you kind of get all different schools of thought, you know, you need to keep people out of your business and you do. Uh, but a therapist is not somebody in your business. You know, there's somebody who, like you say, helps to mediate. And I just know, looking back on on my marriage, you know, my my marriage of 21 years ended in divorce. Mm -hmm. uh, we went through counseling twice, but we didn't go through counseling until something was wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, until it was. I mean, we couldn't we could not fix it by ourselves, uh, or, or couldn't even get beyond where we were by ourselves. And you know. I really wish we would talk more about, you know, just, you know, um, about or we would embrace more rather just the concept of of like premarital counseling. Just, um, you know, I've talked to, to different couples. Uh, a friend of mine, he's been married mm, 20, almost 30 years. And like one of the great things I love about him and his wife is they have annual counseling where they just go. And they just kind of lay it all out on the table. And it's part, it's like the annual strategic retreat. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Something you do with your company, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But but it, that's something that, that we've got to commit to doing so that, you know, because uh, like you talk about this superwoman concept and we are, uh, women especially, you know, we want to do everything and we can but we can't do everything well and we can't do everything all the time and we right. can't do everything all the time for this long period. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's not sustainable and we've got to be willing to take the cape off and get some help. <laughs> and, and I think too, social media has kind of set us up a little bit mm -hmm. because we see what we perceive as people doing it. Or, you know, this boss chick, this boss babe, whatever uh -huh. those, you know, uh, yeah. terminologies are that we use. Mm 
but we don't know what their home lives are like. Yeah. And, and, and I would dare say a lot of the women that we see that are killing the game, what it, when, when I took a step back and looked, mm -hmm. a lot are single. Mm -hmm. um, I was surprised how many did not have children yeah. um, and had never been married. I was really surprised when I took stock into that. Whereas yeah. women who are married um, or have children, um, they're working full-time jobs and mm -hmm. it's their side hustle or things of that nature. And I'm not saying that there aren't married women who are killing the game. But I mm -hmm. think a lot of times with yeah, the superwoman thing, we can't do what a single woman with no children has. Right. Um, when you have teenagers or things of that nature, one of the things that I try to do when we're talking about communication is even with my teenagers, I, we have one left at home mm -hmm. and asking him, are you okay with me missing this game or that game? And if he said, mom, I really want you at this game, then I either don't go to a conference that weekend or mm -hmm. if I have a client, I'll reschedule their call and say, hey, my son really, you know, and my clients have been very understanding because they know my background. And they're like, Tanya, I totally respect that. And I think once you set up those boundaries and I actually have um, a, a whole course that I'm teaching on boundaries, then once you set up your boundaries and you teach people to respect them, then mm -hmm. when you say, hey, I can't do this at this moment, then they're like, okay, I understand. Yeah. But I think what happens is because we're doing, we're giving permission, people permission to just take advantage of us uh -huh. when we try to say no, then that's when we get the pushback. Right, right. And, and, and you know, you, you said, um, or you talked about something that was really important in that and how we have to set expectations mm -hmm. for ourselves and for others of us, you know, because, you know, I know, because one of the, the, the blessings, you know, in that, that, that I've committed to is really being retrospective for the purpose of learning about me, mm. you know, um, because, you know, when you go through a breakup, when you go through a divorce, you know, you can spend a lot of time focusing on the breakup, the divorce, what, you know, and you, you kind of get in this self-destructive cycle. And I've just been committed to, to being retrospective. But one of the things that I've learned and it's been such a, a beautiful experience is just, you know, again, learning about me, but how I think things could have been, you know, a lot different things could have been a lot joyful. I mean, you know, the woulda, coulda, shouldas, but just um, looking at how important it is to be honest with myself mm -hmm. about expectations and then expressing expectations. Right. <laughs> right. You know, I think we expect men to read our minds. Right. Um, and, you know, because uh, uh, my honey and I had this conversation because I, you know, I, I do have a relationship now. I'm not, not married again, but not yet at least. But, you know, I'm in a, in a relationship and I'm trying to, you know, learn and 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 not repeat and, and, and mm -hmm. really be aware. And one of the things that I just had to admit and I finally had to say it out loud is, you know, I'm real bad about saying when you ask me if something's wrong and I say nothing. Mm. And you know that when I say nothing, I really don't mean nothing. <laughs> I just have not found the courage to say what's on my mind. Yeah, uh -huh. and, you know, we laughed about it, but but that was a big step for me in just being able mm. to, because I'm a great advocate for other people, but I will not, in a lot of cases, speak up for myself and say what's on my mind. You, I don't know. Why don't you know what I want? You know? <laughs> right. But men don't. People don't. People aren't mind readers. Right, right. And and it's so true. And that's where having that that effective communication, whether it's down to intimacy, what, what you want to see in the bedroom, mm -hmm. um, uh, roles that you that you have in the home. Like for us, our roles have shifted a lot. I was a stay at home mom for a long time and I homeschooled mm -hmm. my children and uh, did home daycare. And then when I shifted to having written my book to traveling and doing all these great things, now my husband is the one who's doing the cooking and the grocery shopping and the laundry, but we communicated that. It was like, when I wrote my book, I said, Hey honey, you understand that when I write this book, the potential for me to be traveling. And so we had that communication before my book was even published. Right. Before right. it was even published. Um, and now that his book is written, we had the same type of conversation, but now we're able to like this weekend, we're traveling to Pittsburgh together to speak mm -hmm. at two different events this weekend. So, yeah. you know, just again, having that type of communication to me, I don't want to have another emotional affair. It was, it was, I, I carried a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. Mm -hmm. um, I was sneaking and it just was not a good place for me. Yeah. And I don't ever want to go back there again. And I don't want my husband 
to fall into that as well. So right. for me, I just understand. I just got to put it all out there, whether whether it's, you know, something that's hard for him to swallow or for him to, to grasp or vice versa. At least let's put it out there so that we can have a conversation around yeah. it and then decide how do we move forward? Do we yeah. do we address it now or do we wait a week until tensions, you know, right. dissipate or what have you? But at least it's out there. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, we, you touched on this a little bit at the beginning, and this is a constant thing that comes up, and that is, you know, um, how powered women who want to do more than than stay at home, you know, when they want to have a career outside of the home, because, you know, being a stay-at-home mom is a job in and of itself. It's not, yes, you're not sitting around. <laughs> some, of them do, some of them do, but most stay-at-home moms, you know, they're working inside right. the home. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but for women who want to have want to do different things, they want to volunteer in the community, they want their own businesses or they're working, you know, uh, in, in, in a big position that that requires a lot of their time. They have interests other than their husband. Mm -hmm. You know, I know what years ago, this is, this is 20 years ago. I remember girlfriends and I sitting around talking and the husband of one of my girlfriends made the comment that. They, there can only be one mule in a relationship. Oh, and wow. yeah, that, that was, that was, a, 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 I mean, it was just kind of one of those conversations where, you know, with a double entendre uh, when he said it, but um, my first husband was, you know, part of that conversation. That was something he would say throughout the relationship. There can mm -hmm. only be one mule. Because he was a physician or is a physician and I'm an attorney and, and, you know, then I've had my own business. And that constant tension between mm -hmm. being at home and doing other being, you know, working and all of that. And just kind of like, cause I, I think the meaning of the can only be one mule, you know, was, you know, if you look at it from a positive perspective, if, if you got two mules going in two different directions, it's going to snap, you know, right. uh, it, you know, the negative side is only one person is going to get to do what they want to do. And the other person has to back off, which I don't think is the, the right approach. And I think you've got to meet somewhere along that spectrum. And sometimes it may be like an equilibrium. Sometimes only one person may get to do it, but that means right. that time, something right. else. Right. And you know, and, and that's, that is so true because when I was home with my children and, and homeschooling my children, I was going to school, but my mm -hmm. husband was working two jobs. Yeah. So, you know, at that, at that time it was him doing what he needed to do so that I can get my degree Mm -hmm. my children. I was also doing home daycare, um, but I was also active in the community as well. So now it's like I'm the one who, now that my husband's lost his job, I'm the one who's like, you know, has the clients and I'm doing mm -hmm. the speaking and, mm -hmm. you know, all these great things. And he's kind of like doing in, in that support role. Mm -hmm. And it's like we had a conversation about that. And he's okay because he's like, I've worked two jobs for a long time to help you get get ahead and, and do the things you want to do even though he was working two jobs and i was home we both were pulling our weight in some kind of way because right. children wasn't easy either you oh, know but you know what my daughter's in college now <laughs> and you know when i was homeschooling her she was third grade reading on a first grade level and by the time I got done, she went to public high school and she was reading. She was doing AP honors classes. So, you know, for us, that was the, the investment, yeah. you know. And so um, I just think it's important just on, in, as being a woman CEO, finding mm -hmm. prop, finding the ability to prioritize daily. I don't mm -hmm. say balance because I just don't believe there's balance, yeah. but it is prioritizing. What is important for us today? What is important for our family today? Does it mean, say, for instance, if someone... Is working for a company. Does that mean I take a mental health day so that mm -hmm. I can chill out, go get my nails done, hair done, eat salad with a girlfriend, yeah. you know, do whatever, go to the movies and be okay with that. Yeah. Knowing that work will be there tomorrow. Or is it you want to spend that time with your boo? Y'all want to go mm -hmm. to, you know, pancake house, get, you know, get breakfast or whatever, go for a walk, um, lay in the bed, whatever. Um, be giving yourself permission to take a break. And I think that's mm -hmm. so key. Because yeah. I had two girlfriends have strokes last year. Oh, my goodness. And my brother just got mm -hmm. married a couple of, in October. Mm -hmm. And his wife that he just married, her first marriage, she had a stroke before 40. Oh, my goodness. 
but she's a C-suite woman, yeah. has it all, car, house, purses, yeah. shoes, all this stuff, but you have a stroke. Yeah. So, you know, was it worth all of that? And I want my help. I want to be able to yeah. enjoy my family, but also be that CEO woman. Yeah, because that's why last uh, episode, we, we really focused on self-care mm-hmm. and what that meant and, and self-love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Self-love included self-care and, and really thinking about self. And, you know, because a lot of times you, we we focus so much on other, the career, our, our mm-hmm. husbands, our spouses, our significant others. You know, we're looking at everything, our children, and we don't realize that you know, we're losing out, right. you know, we have it all, but we, we, we have nothing. Right. And, you know, it, it's so important that, you know, in a relationship, whatever stage you're in, mm-hmm. you know, whether you are in the first couple of years, whether you've been there 10 years, whether you've been married 20 years or more, you know, the, the things that are healthy the first year, or, I mean, regardless of where you are, there are certain things that you need to do and, and commit to doing and, and not just kind of get caught up in the motions of right. things, you know, because I think that's so easy to do. Oh, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. it's so easy to get caught up in the motion. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what my husband shares in his book is that he just got caught up in the motions of being a husband. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a husband in a healthy relationship. It was just, this is what I'm supposed to do. Go yeah. to work, sit in traffic, bring my yeah. check home, go coach football, watch sports, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that was our routine for years Um, again active in the community active in our church Mm -hmm. but we just were not in a good place in our marriage yeah until we you know all this the emotional affair and then really working on self that we were able to say hey we need to take a break so there are some days where my husband used to call in and be like i'm not coming to work today and we would put the kids on the bus and we would play hooky you know and it was great being able to do that yeah. Um, and not taking yourself so seriously. I think that's just so key as a yeah. sweet woman because the last thing you want is for you to have a debilitating illness, kind of like what you're talking about with self-care. Mm-hmm. The company goes on without you. Yeah, because it will. <laughs> yeah, they just, they're going to keep it moving. You know, and a lot of times I think we think we are so doggone important. <laughs> and we are. And we are. And right. we're unique and, and, and everything. But the truth is, if, if any of us drop dead tomorrow, life will go on. People are going right. to cry. There are barriers, spread our ashes, whatever. But they're right. going to keep it moving. So whatever it is that we used to do for them, they'll figure it out. And I think, you know, we can't be so self-important that mm-hmm. we don't realize that, you know what, they, they're going to be all right without us. Right. And that gives us permission to do things for ourselves. Right. And you talked about, you know, the importance of, of really connecting because, you know, I, I I look back, you know, over over my marriage. And one of the things that we were so proud of is that every Friday night we went out on date night and we thought, you know, that that was something that was really good, which was great. We carved that time out. It was very rare that we missed a date night. You know, we, we played, played um, um, schedule things around making sure we had that commitment. But then, you know, when you look when I look back, I'm like. Yeah, but a lot of times we're just kind of sitting there looking at each other. <laughs> you know, we weren't really connected. Right, right. You know, a lot of times where, you know, we were just kind of sitting there and looking, looking crazy. Right, <laughs> right, right. Right, right. <laughs> wow, wow. And, and that's what you're talking about getting into a routine. It's yeah. not, there's no connection. And so that's why for us, we, we had tried to do that, but but having you know kids at home, it was hard, especially with yeah. them being in high school and varsity games and all this other stuff. So for us, we couldn't do a Friday night date night. It just didn't work because somebody always was either cheering or playing yeah. or whatever. So we found playing hooky during a work day because the kids are at school. There's nobody to run around. They're staying yeah. at school for football practice, cheer practice, or whatever. So for us, taking the time during a work day worked perfect. Plus, you're not out there with a bunch of crowds, you know, so right. we could go to a restaurant and do lunch or, you know, do a happy hour type thing and be home by four or five o'clock and the kids are still at school, you know, at practice. So, you know, it's, it's finding what works for you, um, not just for, like you said, for the sake of just doing it, right. but 
enjoying it and making sure that it's something that you both want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you've mentioned that, you know, kind of as a result of just all the things that were going on kind of the breakdown in communication with you and your husband, just the busyness of your life and mm -hmm. you needing that personal validation that you had the emotional affair, you know, how were you able to, to kind of, well, to, to bounce back from that and, and, and is your marriage the same? And I don't mean this as a um, get all up in your business question, but you know, <laughs> but you know, because a lot of people wonder, like when there is an affair of any kind, whether it is financial uh, infidelity, emotional infidelity, uh, physical infidelity, you know, when you go through that, you know, is it ever the same? And so, like, you know, how were you able to to make that to to get it back together and and to and it sounds like you know to really make your marriage even better than it was before? Um, I think. Number one, and I say this all the time, my husband was committed to being married. He grew up um, not seeing his parents married. Um, majority of his family members weren't married. Um, for me, on the flip side, I didn't hear the word divorce until I was like a junior in high school because all of my friends' parents were married. I just, yeah. my circle, my parents' circle of friends, everybody was married. Yeah. So for my husband, he was very committed to the marriage. Um, so that was his thing. And that's kind of what he shares on, on the, the, the talk, television show that he had to take some ownership for dropping the ball as far as taking care of my emotional needs as a woman. Yeah. Um, he was just in the habit of just working and bringing that check home. And mm -hmm. so for him, he was like, she's good. You know, I'm, I'm bringing on my check. <laughs> and it's like, no, I need more. I need you to ask me how I'm doing. And he was like, but you're, you were so strong. You know, I never saw you cry. I never saw you break down. Well, I was crying while you were asleep. You know, you didn't yeah. see me. And so part of that really, Stephanie, is me not allowing my husband to see the whole me, allowing him to see me in my weakness. He always saw the strong Tanya. Yeah. He didn't see me crying because I was stressed out or bills or, you know, someone was sick or what have you. He just was like, my wife is good. I, I've never seen her cry. Yeah. You know, um, so hiding even that being vulnerable yeah. um, from him, I mean, it's, it's a form of dishonesty. Whereas yeah. it felt like I had to be the strong, because my mother was that strong woman. It's so funny. My mother, my parents were here for Thanksgiving and my mom was like, I'm so glad you're getting the lesson now. She was like, because here I am pushing 70 and now I'm feeling like I wish I took care of myself, did more stuff for me yeah. back in my 40s and 50s. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I had that conversation with a, um, a friend recently. She's in her 60s and just kind of like, you know, it has, has gotten to the point in her life where she's finally decided to put herself first. Mm -hmm. and, and, and not feel bad about that. Mm -hmm. And she was feeling bad about, well, you know, I'm, I'm 67 years old. You know, I, I, I'm, it's too late for this. I'm like, no, it's, it's never too late. But it's better when you can, even better when you can do it early, which is why we want to have these types of conversations. Because right. I think a lot of times we are so strong that we don't equip ourselves with the vulnerabilities we need. Vulnerability is something I think is essential. Right. It, it's essential in, in any kind of relationship. And I think we hurt ourselves being so strong all the time. Right. And um, and not being willing to admit, look, I need some help. This is what I need. Right. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And not in a bossing people around, dominating, domineering people, but just being honest. Right. I love to say, I am not fulfilled. I am not happy. This is right. what I now, how are you going to work with me? How are we going to work this out? <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, it's like, and, and that was the point. So it was us getting therapy and what we did, <laughs> this may sound crazy, but we tried couples counseling twice and it didn't work for us. We would leave out arguing more, you know, than, than where we were before we went in. So we decided standing in the parking lot one night, we were like, Yo, you need get, need to get your own. I'll get my own, and yeah. then we'll come together months later. And so that's what we did. Yeah. And so with that, my husband 
he has some issues from his childhood. I have some issues from my childhood. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing that all those issues from both our childhoods that we didn't talk about. So right. some things came up during my therapy. I'm like, whoa, I forgot all about that. You yeah. Know? Then my therapist's like, you need to share that with your husband and vice versa. Um, so once we were able to talk about all those things, then we were able to do couples counseling. Uh -huh. um, and it made it work because now we were working on our individual selves. Now we can work on a marriage. Whereas when we tried to do couples counseling, it was he say, she say, he say, she right. say. But right. once you start getting that healing within your own self, then you're able to see your, your spouse through love and, and, and compassion and things of that nature. And I don't think we talk about that enough. I mean, we did therapy, yeah. but it was a, a, you know, a little thin book. You know, who's going to take out the trash? How many children yeah. do you want? How much money you want to make? Yeah. Where are you going to live? Yeah. But not like, how do you communicate to your spouse that you're sexually unfulfilled? Yeah. We don't talk about that. Yeah. Because we'll sit there mad. Mm -hmm. What's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> right. 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 Look, at him, looking at him like, you don't know. You know, in your mind, you're like, you don't know. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know. Right. And, you know, and, and, and it's so important, you know, you 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 hit like on something that I think a lot of us don't fully appreciate. And that is just just how beneficial uh, therapy is. You know, when I began conversations with the C-suite, uh, conversations from the C-suite, we spent the first, I think, six, six, yeah, the first six episodes on mental wellness. Wow. Different aspects of it. And it was because, you know, mental wellness and being able to to take care of our minds, you know, is so important, but we will not talk about it. You know, we don't want to talk about how right. we need to talk about what we need to talk about, right. you know, because so many of us are bringing our childhood issues into our relationships. Right. I know I was, I, you know, it's something I still, I still need therapy. You know, I, right. I still need to work out some stuff from, right. from I, I still, you know, because like with my parents, my parents divorced when I was 10. I didn't really get over my parents' divorce mm -hmm. until I was, let's see, it was night, uh, night, no, it was 2004. So wow. they divorced in, I don't know, 1980 something, I think. Mm -hmm. But it was 2004, it was 20 something years later. I was, wow. uh, I had been married 10 years by that point. Yeah, I had been married around 10 years. So I had been carrying for the first 10 wow. years my marriage a lot of issues that and fears and insecurity and just all this you know stuff mm -hmm. from my parents divorce and and, and it's out and it's um you know just dealing with with that and we bring all of that into our marriage and dump it in our in our husband's lot a lap so i know i just you know speak right. for myself but we do or or we ignore it or we don't even realize that that's what's causing the issues because the issues i had you know, just with my dad, with my mom, with my stepdad, I brought all that into right. my marriage. And my marriage was supposed to fix it. Right. <laughs> right, right. I, I say, um, I thought my husband was going to be a glorified boyfriend and we were going to have sex all the time and love each other, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's just not the reality. And they bring issues too. You know, right. my husband was abandoned by his mother his father raised him, but then his father passed away when he was 19. So he just felt like the only person who loved me in the world is gone. Yeah. And so he brought that rejection and abandonment into our marriage. So anything I did or said that that felt any semblance, like if I said no to sex, it, it just like this whole rejection piece. Yeah. Came up, I'm like, yo, I, I got to breastfeed the baby and I'm tired and I've been up all. But he just took it into a whole nother right. dimension because of the rejection from his mother. So it wasn't until he got therapy that he saw that the way he viewed my actions was really through that lens of that child who was left waiting for the mother to pick him up who never showed up. Right, right. Because, you know, it just all of the different... Because I don't, none of us have perfect childhood, right. even, even when we grow up in two parent homes. I mean, this, we're all going to deal with just right. different things and, and we just need to be honest about it mm -hmm. and, and really be open to seeing how that manifests itself, you know, in our present day relationships. Because right. it's things that happened like 30, 40 years ago yes. 
that's that's still alive you know yeah yeah so it's it's just um it's it's so key to um just be honest honesty right. you know i think honesty is the best thing um regardless mm -hmm. of whether it's intimacy money mm -hmm. um i'm sure the women who are watching right now i'm certain probably about 50 percent of them if not more were told don't you know don't tell a man how much money you make or don't mm -hmm. let them know how much money you have and um i actually just heard a girl in the grocery store she was talking and her mother was like yeah when you get married you know skim some of the money off put it in a separate account so he don't know and i'm like that yeah. is so <laughs> but yeah. when we're taught secrecy lies deception going into our marriage so then we wonder when something happens how did that happen? But it's like we didn't we didn't come with our full selves. We didn't come with the mask off. Right, right. And it's and it's so important to uh to take that um um mask off uh -oh, and and make sure that that we are you know honest with, with ourselves and 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 honest and and you know and and not wear that that mask because I think a lot of times we put on the strong woman mask. Mm -hmm. We put on the um. I don't need no man mask, you know. I'm a strong, independent I've woman. That I've had that issue, and mm -hmm. I, you know, and 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 I, you know, <clears throat> I know one of the the things I had, you know, I grew up seeing um, women who were not the uh, the, did not make the most money in, in the relationship, and I saw mm -hmm. the, the what what I want to call it, financial inequities okay. and how it impacted the women in my life. You know, because my my granny was a stay at home mom. My mom was a teacher and made made less than my dad. Never uh, and made less than my stepdad. My my uh, my grandma, you know, never made a whole whole lot of money. So I kind of saw this this cycle in my mind of men dominating women through finances. So I was determined. You know, when I get out, I'm going to make my money. Now, we, we had everything in a joint bank account, but I was kind of crazy about some things in terms of of, of being fearful mm -hmm. of losing my financial independence. And I see a lot how a lot of that just just boiled up in, in, in some of the things I did, the way I went about things. And it was because of childhood fears that I never really addressed in you know, my mind, the financial inequities I saw in the relationships I grew up around. And right. you know, we ha all have some version of something, you know, something right. we experienced. And, right. and we have to to take that mask off and mm -hmm. and 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 not be um, just so committed to my way at a highway. Right. That the relationship, it's it's um, it's it's engagement and it's got to be um dynamic it can't be one person and doing everything and right. you can't expect them to do everything you, you do have to have your land it line in the sand moments or line right. in the sand issues mm -hmm. you know so that you're not disrespected and unhappy and things like that but you got to give a little to get a little right 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 and i just thought about what you had said about the the financial inequity and the pay inequity but when we think about our society as a whole and culture, women are paid less than men mm -hmm. anyway. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. When we think about just thinking about historically and culturally, our mothers were paid less. Our grandmothers were paid less. They either clean somebody's house. I know my my grandmothers clean people's house, watch watch white women's children. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's just what they did. My my grandfather was a sharecropper. So they really didn't make a lot of money. And my uh -huh. mother was a secretary and my dad worked for GE. So he he actually came in when affirmative action was like ramping up and mm -hmm. you know, he went up, up the ranks and that. But my mother stayed a secretary for years. She was happy doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's even when we look at that part that women are paid less than men. But I think it still garners a conversation about money. And I think that's one of the things Don and I didn't talk about either. Yeah. One is why marriage was money. You know, my mother yeah. um, to this day, I hope she'll watch this on Facebook Live, but my mother to this day still has her own secret bank account. Yeah. You know, and she'd be like, here's, here's $100. Don't tell your dad I gave it to you, you know, <laughs> 40 something years old, you know. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's important to, I want to be an open book so that there's nothing, like I said, being caught in emotional affair because my husband saw it on social media. 
I don't ever want to be in that situation ever again. I yeah. tell my husband everything. Yeah. You know, someone talks to me, approaches me or whatever, and vice versa. You know, he would come to be like, babe, so-and-so, she leaned over my desk and had her breasts, you know, cleavage all, and I had to tell her, go somewhere. And, you know, yeah. we, we just, after that, we were like, we cannot allow anything to come in between us again. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, but it can happen so so easily, mm -hmm. you know, um, because a lot of people will will think, well, you know, there was no sex involved, so it's okay. But it's it's like you you know you have um, there's somebody else in your relationship, right? You you know because you and you may be thinking, you know, well, it, it's not physical, so we're just talking, mm -hmm. or, you know, and that's kind of how it how it gets started, and then before you know it, you know, you you're having a, a full blown other relationship. relationship with this person where you know my husband made me mad i'd be like i, I don't care because i'm gonna talk to so-and-so later tonight you know yeah. my husband yeah. on the phone you know and so that's crazy yeah it's just it, i i just don't it's yeah. when i think about it i'm just like wow how did we get there but you know i thank god that we're beyond that and that we've grown um and that our story is now helping. I mean, I have people stop me in Target. We've been in the mm -hmm. restaurant, in the airport. My husband was in the airport going to my brother's wedding and people were stopping him, stopping him in the airport. Like, oh my God, we saw you in Black Lives And hugging him and saying, your story helped us. So, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, I know now that our story helps a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thankful for the opportunity that we went through it and we stayed together through it so that we can right. share it with the other right. side. Right. Because, you know, you 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 hit on something that I want to kind of close out with mm -hmm. is, you know, just the importance of of telling your story and talking to others, because, you know, nobody's experience is going to fit someone else's, you know, identically. But you can definitely learn from others. And I know the people that we have watching, we've got a newlywed. We've got people who are, you know, been married a few years. We've got people who are divorced, people who are you know, just, just trying to figure out what they need to figure out. So I just want to kind of end with kind of, you know, knowing what you know now and the clients you work with, the experiences you've gone through, let's pick kind of like three stages. It's kind of, what are you, things that, that people need to be thinking about. So let's just say that newlyweds, they've been married, you know, one to three years, you know, what are some things that they really need to be focusing on to keep from getting to that point? Um, I would definitely say do do a, a checkup um, mm -hmm. and just say, hey, um, let's pick a date where we're, we're out, we're having dinner or something like that. And just say, hey, are, you know, how are you doing? Are you doing OK? Not that when you walk in the door and it's like, hey, babe, how was your day? No, like, really, how are you doing? Are you doing OK? You know, yeah. are your needs being met? Am I doing, you know, and, and that's not saying that you have this this. 20, you know, 20 number checklist. Yeah. <laughs> you can't come in, you can't come in there with a machine gun. You got to come in there with a sniper. Pew, pew, pew. Right, right, right. But really, just like, you know, are you okay? Do you need yeah. it? How can I support you? And that's vice versa. I think mm -hmm. men should do the same thing. Um, yeah. And saying, do you need anything? How can I support you? Um, especially if you're an entrepreneur, I think it's really key to express to your spouse. Hey, babe, you know, it, it would make me so happy if you can, if you're an author, if, you know, when I have shows or I'm vendoring, vending or I'm speaking somewhere, if you could just put my books in my car, that would help me out a little bit the night before or, you know, make them feel a part of it. And I think that's what happens too that I'm finding with the women I work with is that their husbands feel like they're shut out yeah. of what they have going on. Like, like yeah. they're a second thought to everything. So yeah. bring him in on it. Hey, babe, do you want to go with me to, to Atlanta? Like my husband and I are going to Pittsburgh this weekend. You know, hey, babe, do you want to travel to me when I go speak? Or I'm, you know, I have a conference mm -hmm. that I'm going to. Um, you already got the hotel room. So just get an extra ticket and, you know, fly your husband with you. I, I think Thinking outside the box for the one to three, just think outside the box of ways you can make time for each other. Okay. All right. So what about the couple that's kind of, they've been married 10 years, maybe got a couple of kids and now, you know, their careers are taking off. What are some things they need to be focusing on? They definitely need to date. <laughs> <laughs> and date while the kids are at school is so <laughs> easy because you don't have to worry about a babysitter. Think yeah. again, think Think outside the box. I want couples to think outside the box. You know, you could date in the morning while the kids are asleep on a Sunday 
or Saturday. You don't have to go to church every Sunday. I know I'm probably going to lose people on this, but stay on a Sunday morning. Let the kids sleep in. Y'all get in the tub together. Yeah. Have coffee laying in the tub together. Yeah. To me, that is sexy. It's romantic. Yeah. You don't got to worry about kids banging on the door, you know, whatever. Think outside the box. Make romance happen with what you have. It doesn't have to be we're going to this five-star restaurant. We're popping bottles and all this yeah. other stuff. It could be something as simple as you throw the baby in a stroller and you go for a walk. Bundle up. I don't care if it's 40 degrees outside. Put a hat, yeah. love the baby, and, and keep it moving and right. have those conversations. Don and I do four miles, I would say about three three nights a week. When we yeah, I love y'all pitches. <laughs> and, and we talk. I mean, yeah. there's times where, you know, we've had like a heated conversation. I'm like, babe, we look real crazy trying to argue and kids are riding bikes. Hi, Mr. Mrs. Barnett. You know, <laughs> so... But that's a good time for us. Four miles is like an hour and 15 minutes where we're talking mm-hmm. unrestricted. Um, again, it's outside the box. It does not have to be this. We got to get a babysitter. We got to go to dinner. Yeah. Real simple. Yeah. And I just kind of put my little two cents in. If you're going on date night, make sure y'all are really connected and y'all not just sitting there looking at each other crazy. <laughs> you don't really connect, really connect. All right. So w- what about the couple? They've been married almost 20 years. Their kids are almost out the house. You know, what are some things they need to be focusing on? Um, I would say spice up your sex life. I mm-hmm. think that at that point, um, I think sex becomes routine just from the women I've talked to where they said they're bored in the bedroom. Um, it's just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And I, I would say spice up the bedroom. I think it's really important. Um, um, I don't know what intimacy looks like for people in their 60s and 70s because I haven't been there. And of course, my parents don't talk about it. And my parents been married almost 50 years. But I definitely think at that point in your life, um, especially when kids are getting ready to leave, you want to be best friends with your spouse. And that's something that he and I talk about all the time. Once Yakim leaves, he's a junior. Once he leaves, I want to be here with my best friend. I want to be able to have fun and and and, and still feel sexy and wanted and things of that nature. Um, but most of the couples that, <clears throat> that we talk to around this, because we're year 19, it's boring. They're bored with each other. Yeah. So um find things that y'all like that you used to do if it was the movies or whatever just go and i had to get out of there i'm gonna just a total transparency moment my husband wants to go to the movies and stuff like that i hate going to the movies i'm like i'll catch it on netflix while i'm folding clothes you know it's, it's got to be dual purpose for me yeah i had to stop and say my husband is asking me to go to the movies stop what you're doing go to the movies yeah yeah it's yeah. that simple yeah yeah, yeah and, and you know and i think because it's not like that's that's not a suffering that's not a uh something that's you know gonna you know make you it, it's not a um it's not such a huge compromise the way you lose yourself it's doing something that they enjoy and it ain't gonna kill you right and i do think that's something that a lot of times we forget about right. uh if it's just something we don't like you know and and just you know it's not gonna hurt you go to the movies it's gonna make him happy and when he's happy you're gonna be happy you will get something out of it you know right. you may right. just maybe maybe just sit down for a while yourself anyway right <laughs> absolutely and vice versa i know with him he's like what's something you want to do and i love to brunch i love brunch and yeah. that's where well, he's already made a pot of coffee and he's you know made some bacon or whatever and he's like all right, come on, let's go. Let's go to brunch, you know. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know the kids are going to eat it, so it's not going to go to waste, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, something, I think it's important. Sometimes you're going to have to do things you don't want to do. I know people don't want to hear that, but that's what marriage is. It really is about working together. I'm not into everything my husband's into. My husband loves sports bars. I don't ever have to go to a sports bar. Oh, my bar. gosh, yeah. <laughs> I'm having to get used to this. My honey likes to watch football. I hate football. Right, mine too. But you know what? I think I I do a quota. I'll go one time, you know, during this season or two times, you know. (laughs) I watch one more football game. Jesus Christ. But you know, but I just get there. I get my little book and I read while he watch football. And every once in a while, you know, we interact or whatever, but we interacting. Right. But I'm like, okay, I can't just sit because one, I can't, I don't understand it. But anyway, right. that's besides the point. But, 
for him, he feels like you're you're valuing something he's yeah. into and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, because it doesn't hurt me to watch football. It's just not my favorite thing to do. Because right. when I want to drag him to some art something or yeah. some musical something, I want him to be just as enthusiastic as me sitting me asking 50 million questions about why is that a why is that a penalty? I don't understand, but anyway. <laughs> Right. But then you're both getting something that you need. And then at the end of the day, you're like, wow, he went to this museum with me or subconsciously. He's probably thinking, wow, she watched this game with me, even though I, I could tell she really didn't want to. So it really is a give and take. Relationships are all about even with your children. It's a give and a take with your children. Yes. You know, I just say your spouse or that relationship that you're in, you chose to be in that. Right. Right. Right, you right. chose to be in it. If you don't want to to be a partner and partners work together for the greater good, then don't be in a relationship. You're right. That's true. That's true. That's true. Well, of course, you know that that we were reaching the end of the hour, and I knew that our conversation would get going. And I know <laughs> you had a very long day, but oh, this has been so awesome, and I do hope to have you back on. Thank you. Again. This is there, there's so many so many more things we could talk about. Uh, but you have certainly shared a lot of gems with us. And I think that the most important thing that that all of us can take away from this, whether you are newly wed and married 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is, is that, you know, this takes effort. You got to say what's on your mind. Nothing ain't going to cut it. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do some things that that you may not. They may not be your favorite things to do, but they're going to bring joy to others. Right. And, and 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 down the line you'll get that joy back some other kind of way and you got to keep it sexy in the bedroom yeah. i think we could take that away you got to keep it sexy. <laughs> you have to and you know men don't need a lot so i'm just yeah. like <laughs> yeah i know you've got um a book out you've got a vision board coming a vision board class coming up and your husband has his book out so i just want you to just close out with with sharing uh, about what you've got going on and how people can get in contact with you if they want to learn more about the real wife movement. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. So yes, um, I have a book out. It's called Being a Wife Just Got Real Things. I wish I knew I said before I do. So that is this. Um, and you can get it on Amazon. You can go to realwifemovement.com. Um, so it's on both. And then Don's book just came out, Brand Spanking New. It's a month old. Um, it's called Manhood on the Line. Um, a real man owns his shit, and um, it's actually if you look here in the in the top, it's my husband. He struggled with coming home to me and the kids, or staying out and partying with the fellas and women. So you get to read both sides of the story <laughs> and how we both contributed to our emotional affair, but how we were able to um, to come out of that. And now um, we're speaking all over the country. Um, sharing our story and helping a lot of couples so i do have a vision board party coming up oh and my husband's book is on uh amazon as well okay great i was gonna ask you that okay yeah. so both of the books are on on amazon so that's tanya barnett and Donald Donald barnett. Barnett. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Don. yeah Don. um yeah. and the vision board party is here in the dc area it is december 29th so right before new year's um this is my third year so i'm really excited the first two years we sold out um, so this is my third year and the link is bit.ly forward slash 2019 visions. Okay. Um, we have a lot of fun. I usually have guest speakers. We have giveaways. Um, last year we gave away planners. We gave away candles. Did um, I get that right? Yes, that is correct. 2019 yeah. visions. Yes. So that is the link. Um, if you want to join me here in the Washington DC area, um, that's December um, 29th. From 11 to 1 so we get you in and out so you can have the rest of your day and you can start your year off right with that vision board and um actually i'm selling my book right now for ten dollars so it's half off um and that's bit.ly forward slash indie winner and that's because i won an indie award that's um, right that's right yeah. yes self-published i've won my indie award within eight months of my book being published so okay Super exciting. So if they go to bit.ly forward slash indie, I N D I E winner, um, you can get that book for $10 and it'll be autographed. 
All right. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tanya. Thank I so you. appreciate you. <laughs> you had an opportunity to hang out with me here in the yes, honor. We got to connect it in person one of these days. So whenever you're in Atlanta again. Okay. Okay. I was just there last weekend. Oh my goodness. <laughs> last weekend. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, because I saw y'all were uh with two and CNN. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the next time you're here, you gotta hit me up. We gotta get okay. to we gotta get to go with some real wine, girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you so much. I so appreciate you being here in the C-suite with me. And I send my love to you. And I'm just so grateful for what you're doing because you are helping us all to have better relationships and continue doing what you're doing. Thank you. All right. Well, awesome. I'll see you next time. Have a good night. All right. You too. Well, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone for joining me here tonight on the conversations from the C-suite, the girlfriend's guide to being a CEO. And I hope that you were inspired. I hope you Learn, felt something, learned something, but most of all, you got to do something because Tanya dropped some really great nuggets. And remember, it's all about the CEO moves that you make. Because if all you do is you learn something, you feel something, but you don't do anything, you are being a receptionist and not a CEO. So make sure you make those CEO moves, create your circles of influence, educate and empower yourself to elevate your life operationalize what you learn so that you can optimize your outcomes because whether you report to a CEO or you are the CEO of your own business you are always the CEO of you which means you get to make the decisions to create the life you desire and deserve and so before we leave I just want to remind you that tonight's episode was brought to you by deciding on joy the self-help book that helps you to go from breakup to breakthrough. So you can go to decidingonjoy.com, decidingonjoy.com to get your autographed copy. And it is available on Amazon as well. So deciding on joy, my journey from breakup to breakthrough in 30 days is the self-help book that's going to help you to get back to you. So we just want to thank you so much for being with us here tonight on Conversations from the C-Suite. And until next time, I just want to remind you that your life is the product of your choices. Choose to be the CEO in you. Because remember, the power is not in the conversations, but it's in the moves that you make. Don't just talk about it, be about it. But don't wait. Wait broke the scale. It's all about you making the decisions to be the CEO of you. So until next time, I am Dr. Stephanie D. Barnes, your host, and it has been my pleasure to be with you here tonight in Conversations from the C-Suite, the Girlfriend's Guide to Being a CEO. See you next time.